1 Peter, excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 1, just two verses today. We'll start with 15. It says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Somebody say all your conduct. In all your conduct, verse 16, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Father, we thank you for your powerful, powerful presence here today. We thank you for your word that gives us direction, gives us instruction. And I pray that today, God, you would speak to us and transform our lives. Show us the path, God, the path of right living that you have for us. And we give you thanks and we give you praise as we pray it in Jesus' name. Come on and just say amen. Amen. I want to show you a building that used to reside in Terre Haute. Thank you, Brent. A little shout out to my hometown, Terre Haute. <laughs> this is, uh, if you could see closely, you, you'd notice that the name of this building is called the Terre Haute House. You remember this, don't you, Dad? It no longer, uh, no longer stands. There was some debate uh, years ago as to uh, should, we, should we salvage, should we renovate. It, it stayed empty for so long that it was in great, great disrepair, and it would just take uh, multi-millions to bring it to any place of acceptability. And so the ruling was that the Terre Haute House actually came down, unfortunately. But this Renaissance revival-style 10-story building that loca was located on the northeast corner of 7th Street and Wabash, it was the pinnacle of high-class accommodation in its heyday. From the 1920s to around the 1950s, it was a thriving, thriving hot spot. This was a time when Terre Haute's well-known illegal gambling operations and other businesses of ill repute, they brought the highest of the high rollers to town. It was once the social center of the city and the site of numerous formal dances, conventions, parties, and events throughout Terre Haute. Terre Haute you should notice, if you ever get a map out and look at where I grew up, we are right on the Wabash River. And so it was a thriving, thriving community. And it was a crossroads for our nation. And many, many traveled through Terre Haute. Um, I couldn't tell you how many trains and train tracks run through Terre Haute. And they're still active. If you can go to Terre Haute and, and stay a day or more and not be railroaded or stopped by a train, we call it railroaded. I got railroaded today. You're, you're, you, you know, it's, it's a rare thing, isn't it, Dad? Almost every day in Terre Haute, somewhere, you're going to be stopped by a train. I'm just trying to tell you how, how thriving this, this little community was. And it was a crossroads for many to uh, pa pass through and travel through. One of the most famous, or maybe I should say infamous, was this guy. Anybody know who this is? This is the infamous Al Capone. Yes, 
and I read this of Al Capone, he would stay in the Terre Haute house as he would pass through, and he would maximize the gambling uh, and, and the, the prostitution, actually, that was happening in, in Terre Haute. Terre Haute was known at one time as Sin City, and um, it still has a, a little bit of that reputation to this day. But God is on the move in Terre Haute, I believe. But I read this about Al Capone. In the late 1920s, Chicago had a major problem. In fact, the tentacles of that problem infested much of the area around Chicago. The problem had a name. That name was Al Capone. Capone was a criminal, a, a wicked man who literally ran the city of Chicago. He owned most of the politicians, most of the police department. And those he couldn't buy, he threatened or just simply had them killed. Capone and his mob ran prostitution rings throughout the city and sold bootleg liquor worth millions. Remember, we're in the 1920s right here. Then one day, a young treasury agent and 11 of his hand-picked men decided it was time to declare war on Capone, and this is what he looks like. Does anybody know the name of this treasury agent? Elliot Ness. 26-year-old treasury agent Elliot Ness and his team ran continuous raids on Capone's operation and cost the mobster millions in lost revenue. As you can imagine, Capone was not happy with this, and he attempted numerous assassination attempts on Ness and succeeded in killing one of Ness's closest friends. But before Al Capone took out a contract on this treasury agent, he decided on a softer approach. He sent a messenger to Ness with an envelope. Now, at the time, Ness was making $2,800 a year. Remember, we're in 1929, $2,800 a year. And he's handed this envelope. In the envelope is $2,000, almost an entire year's wage. The messenger made it clear that this could be a weekly salary for Ness if he would just lay off Capone. Ness put the money back in the envelope, sent it and the messenger back to Capone. Then he called for a press conference. Ness told the assembled newspaper men all about Capone's attempted bribe and made it clear how much contempt he had for the man who offered it. The next day, the headlines read, Ness and his men are untouchable. Thus began the legend of Elliot Ness and his untouchables. In a day of corrupt officials, politicians, and police who actually worked with or for criminals, Elliot Ness and his men decided to go against the flow, to go against the current of corruption. Elliot Ness and his untouchables decided to do what was right. He fought against the flow of a corrupt system. 
He fought against his own fleshly desires. $2,000 in 1929 was a lot of money. Well, let's face it, $2,000 in 2015 is a lot of money. How many would like an envelope with $2,000 in it today? The rest of y'all are liars. <laughs> I'll take $2,000, but are you willing to compromise your morals and your character and your integrity in order to have $2,000? He had to fight against that desire that's within himself, that, that, that flow of a system in, in, in society that was so great to just turn your head and do what was wrong because everybody else did what was wrong. But Elliot Ness had integrity, and he did what was right. Fast forward. Here we are. February 1, can you believe it? 2015. We're pressured on every side, and we're drawn to compromise. Don't fool yourself to think that you can, in your own ability, Live right. You can't. There are three powerful pressures for every person every day. We have the pressure and the allure of a real enemy. Don't ever minimize the enemy, Satan. He's not a cartoon character. And he's not to be treated frivolously. We're not to fear him, but we should acknowledge that he is in the world and he has power. Limited as it is, it works many, many times. And there is pressure from the enemy for us to choose wrong, to live wrong. There's the pressure from the world, just as Elliot Ness and his men had pressure from society and the world to turn the other way and to to live inappropriately. So we have that same pressure today. The world is so enticing, it, it glitters and it blings and it calls loudly to us. And when we accept that call from the world, let's face it, it feels good. It satisfies for a season. And so we are naturally drawn to continue to satisfy desires within ourselves. Unfortunately, many times when we choose to satisfy our own desires, it is in conflict with what God desires for us. There's also the enemy and the pressure from your own stinking heart. Your own stinking flesh, right? Our will raises up every day. The Apostle Paul said he died daily to his flesh. This is a man who wrote most of the New Testament, and yet he needed to die daily. I wonder how many of us also should die daily to our flesh. Well, the answer is all of us. We need to be having a funeral every day. So that our flesh dies, so the Spirit of God can live in us. And as the Spirit of God lives in us and dwells in us, He will lead us, He will guide us, and He will help us to live right. Hallelujah.
pressured by the enemy, pressured by the world, pressured by our own head, our own heart. So, yet God calls us to holiness. Bring our text back up. He calls us, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Verse 16, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. A few things to remember here is, number one, God is holy. He's perfect and pure. The God that we celebrate, that we run after, that we're jumping for. We're just, we're, I, I want more of him, right? <laughs> He's holy. Don't ever forget God is holy. Sometimes we treat him like he's our buddy. Now he wants to be our friend, yes. But he's holy and deserves a level of respect and awe and reverence. He's holy and he's calling us. I wonder if you even hear his call. The holy God calling you. You see, he won't shout. He doesn't shout at us. I get, I get fired up and I get shouting just a little bit. I get hollering. Pastor Alberto, you know what I'm talking about. He's a preacher right here. He's going to be preaching for us on Wednesday. You don't want to miss this. I can hardly wait. It's going to be awesome. I've invited Pastor Alberto, Pastor Moses' father. He's going he's to be preaching. He's got, he's, he's got some, some goodness in him that I know is going to come out. I just Sometimes I get to shouting and I get to hollering. God won't do that. But he calls, come to me, calls us to himself, he is holy, calls us to himself and, and calls us to be holy like he is holy. Remember, God is holy, he's calling us to be holy, and we can be holy. Look at this, you shall be. I didn't think I could be. Sometimes that's what I think. I, I didn't think I could be. Well, not only can I be, I will be. I shall be. God called me to this. And I'm going to, with his help, figure out how to do this. Another word for holiness is righteousness. Somebody say righteousness. But that still seems out of reach for, for many to live holy and, and, and live in holiness, live in righteousness. That's just reserved for the top tier of people, right? Theologians and people with doctorates and I don't know. It's too lofty. I can't, I can't ever get there. How about we just shorten righteousness then? Somebody say right. I think I could get there. I think I could do right. I think I could live right. I think I could choose right, talk right, walk right, act right, decide right. So this is what I want us to talk about today is saturating in righteousness or right living, right choices. This is our continuation of our series entitled Saturate. It's just to saturate in righteousness, living right. Perhaps you're here today and you would say, I want to do right, but I'll be honest, I struggle. I struggle to consistently 
do right. How many would just be honest and let me see your hands? I'm going to put both my hands up. Well, welcome to the club. Look at your neighbor and tell him, welcome to the club. Come on, welcome to the club. You're not alone. You're not the only one who struggles to do right, to live right, to act right, to speak right. Stephen, welcome to the club, buddy. I'm there too. We're all there. But we can do it. He's called us to do it. The Apostle Paul, he encouraged the Corinthian believers at least to be pursuing this. 2 Corinthians 7.1, he said, Since we have these promise, promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. That's the act of becoming holy. Bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. In other words, you're never going to arrive there completely, but you need to be on the path. I'm trying. I'm striving. I want to make right choices. That's what I want you to hear today. That's what I want you to take out of here today. That you, we're on the path striving to do right and to live right. To be holy as he who is holy has called us. Three things to remember today as we strive to saturate in righteousness. Write these down. Number one, right living will actually strengthen your witness. We talked about our witness a little bit last week. Remember, your witness is what you say, and trust me, people are listening. Now, the breakdown of this is what you say are the words you say, yes, but what you say can also be the words you don't say, right? Your silence speaks. What's the third area of your witness speaking? Let me quiz you a little bit. What is it? That's two. The words you speak, the words you don't speak. There's one more area that your witness speaks. Actions speak your actions. Maybe the, the loudest voice of your witness is that of your actions. Because if you're saying, I'm a Christian, and yet your actions aren't lining up with that, guess what? They're going to hear what your actions said way above what your words said. Right living, right choices, bolster, strengthen, confirm your witness and your testimony. You see, every choice you make is telling. Your choices tell who you really are. We have the ability to make choices, don't we? This is how God made us. We will either choose, the, the ultimate choice is will we choose God or will we choose to live without God? I would dare say most in the room have decided already that you're going to choose to live for God. How many of that would be your testimony today? You just wave at me or come on and say amen or something. You've already chosen. You've made a decision, the best decision of your life, the most critical decision of your life. But see, God doesn't force us to choose Him. He 
he's given us the ability to make choices. Not only will we make this critical choice of whether we will serve God or not, then we will, throughout our day, confirm that decision by all the other choices that we make. The little choices. I'm going to choose in a little bit how many wings I'm going to eat. Mm, Did y'all feel that? Holly, God is in that. I'm just telling you right now. But I don't want to cross the line, right? Choices. Everyday choices. But see, we don't even realize that these choices are, are reflecting our witness. And the right choices will strengthen our witness. And they will confirm, well, I guess he really is a Christian. Are you making right choices or wrong choices? Are you going to the bar? Good. Are you going clubbing on Saturday night and getting your Shandai on on Sunday morning? Are you participating in illegal drugs and alcohol? There's a whole sermon that I, I everybody wants me to stay away from it, but I can't. Because I know how dangerous it is. It's stealing your money. It's, it's hurting your witness. It's affecting your judgment. I'm going to preach it whether you want to hear it or not. Because I think it needs to be said. God's calling us to holiness, church. And we want it to be on our terms instead of on his terms. I'll preach it later. That's fine. Are you involved in sex outside of marriage? I'm asking you today about your choices. Are you making right choices or wrong choices? And so we say loudly, no, I'm not going to the bar. No, I'm not going clubbing. No, I'm not drinking. No, I'm not doing drugs. No, I'm not having sex outside of marriage. Are you participating in gossip? Telling who you really are. I got to see Elliot yesterday. I didn't even know he was stopping by. I don't get to see him as often as I want. And so when I do, I just, I love it, right? And um, I'm dad, so I, I guess I can let my buttons pop a little bit. I'm just so proud of him. I, I don't know. I'm just so proud of who he is, who he's becoming. And he is, you know, one of the things I pray for Elliot, God, let him hear you. There's so many voices speaking. Some of them are so loud. God, let him hear you. And I think he's hearing God. I really like what I'm, what I'm hearing him say as a result of him hearing God. But, you know, Elliot took a stand when he was Throughout his teen years, now he's still 18, he's still in his teen years, but he's about to really launch out into manhood. He's at the beginning stage of manhood. Yes, he is a young man, but I'm talking about 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, when the pressure is so great. Some of y'all, it was so long since you were that age, you can't remember anymore, but let me just tell you, the pressure is still great. And Elliot took a stand. Elliot kept himself pure. He had opportunities to choose. And let me tell you, he could have chose inappropriately any number of times in this area. I'm not saying he didn't make other choices that maybe weren't the greatest. But in this area, he stayed pure. He's a virgin today. 
And now that he's 18, he's, it's almost like a badge, right? God has helped me through a pressure time, and he's looking forward to actually having sex on his wedding night for the first time. If Elliot hears this sermon, he's going to be mortified. I know that. Oh, my God. Elliot, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't see all this unfolding quite like this, buddy. I'm just telling you. I'm sorry. But I'm proud of you. I do want you to know that. And we love you, son. I'm going to tell him to watch this. Everybody say hi to Elliot. And, uh, <laughs> but he's, he's kept himself. Let me t- I'm, I'm actually trying to drive a point home, if I can bring this all back around. His testimony. You know how rare it is for a, a teenage young man with hormones just going crazy and the peer pressure from everybody else that's saying, hey. But his testimony was bolstered and strengthened by his choice. His choice actually spoke for him. He didn't, have to, he didn't have to keep saying that, see. Your choices are going to speak and tell who you really are. This is actually called integrity. Say it with me. It actually sounds nice. Integrity. Didn't that flow off your lips nice? Integrity. <laughs> integrity. That's what's on the inside. It's who you really are. That's the real deal you. That's, by the way, what God sees. Or we might fool some people, don't we? Yeah. We put on our good church face and we say the right words. God sees it. God sees the real deal. Can I say this? Integrity still matters. It's not passe after all. Integrity, your character, still matters. We need people of true godly character. Somebody say amen. Amen. We need people who make right choices even when no one's looking. Somebody say amen. Amen. Because God is always looking. God always sees. And he's the one we should want to please. The one who matters most. God. When no one's around to judge you and to even say anything about your choice, are you making the right choice? Because God is watching. God wants to help you to make the right choice. Your integrity, by the way, it will serve as a guide. Your integrity is your inner guide. In other words, once you start to make right choices, and you continue to make right choices, and it strengthens your witness, that character will prompt you. It's by the Holy Spirit. He will prompt you to continue to make these right choices, and your integrity, who you really are on the inside, will then guide you to continue making right choices. Proverbs 11 Some really great verses here. Just let me read these to you, starting with verse number three. The integrity of the upright, the righteous, guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked 
falls by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust. When the wicked dies, his hope will perish, and the expectation of wealth perishes too. The righteous is delivered from trouble, and the wicked walks into it instead. With his mouth, the godless man will, would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. When it goes well with the righteous, the whole city rejoices. And when the wicked perishes, there are shouts of gladness. By the blessing of the upright or the righteous, a city is exalted. By the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. I want you to hear this today. Your character matters. Your integrity matters. It will guide you. Verse number 3, integrity will deliver you. Verses 4, 6, and 8, integrity will keep you on the straight and narrow path. Verse number 9, and integrity will give you the wisdom and the knowledge that you need to continue to walk the right path way. Let your right living strengthen your witness. People are watching. People are listening. Secondly, right living shows obedience to the Word of God. Hold your Bible up, everybody. Come on, let me see your Bible. Hallelujah. Leather bound. We've got tablets raised. We've got phones raised. Nobody has an excuse. You should have the Bible with you at all times. Pastor Dave, I loved walking together with those who decided to do this Devo in the U version. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was really great. No excuses, folks. We have decided that we are going to saturate ourselves in the Word of God and get into the Word of God so the Word of God can get into us. And when we make right choices, it shows an obedience to the Word of God. It is the B-I-B-L-E. This is how we spell it, right? Bible, B-I-B-L-E. Break it down like this. Basic instructions before leaving earth. It's an instruction book. It's an instruction manual. It guides us. It leads us. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our pathway. How do we know what is right? God's Word instructs us on how we are to live. And so, God's Word is the standard for right living. He's called us to live right. He's called us to holiness. Well, what does that look like? What does that mean? We let God's Word tell us what that means. We certainly don't let the world tell us what the standard for right is. Because, well, first of all, it changes whenever, whenever the government wants it to change, whenever lawmakers get in there and they want to change what used to be right, now it's, uh, now it's wrong. And what used to be wrong, now it's right. And it's like we're living upside down. As Christians, we don't follow the world's standard for what is right. The world tells us that abortion is right. And abortion is not right. They thought that if they legalized it, that we would look away. And we would just get used to it over years. And sadly, for some, that is the case. But it's still not right.
right to murder and slaughter unborn babies by the millions. And our society, our world, our government says that it's okay. Our world, the worldly standard cannot be our standard on what is right. The world standard says that an illegal drug all at once now becomes legal. Oh, could I? I'm going to go there. Can I go there, Mike? I'm going to go there. It blows my mind that, that they've legalized marijuana, and it's hardly been a speed bump. Hardly a blip on the Christian radar, really. Now, there's people in this room right now, you're struggling with marijuana. I understand that. But I'm believing that this is going to be the year for you to get that monkey off your back. Mm. My God. I'm, I'm telling you, there's power. Because of the resurrection power, there's power to deliver you from any substance that would bind you. But just because Colorado and Washington and even parts of California are saying it's okay, it's not okay. It's not okay. It can't be our standard. The world standard says that it's okay for a man to marry a man or a woman to marry a woman. You know, I, I pull away from this subject because it is a hotbed. But I'm obligated, I'm obligated by God's word to tell the truth and to tell it in love. I never want to come across as hating on anybody. But I think we must illuminate a path that many have found themselves on that is deceptive. God's word clearly teaches against homosexuality. But I'm praying that God helps me love everybody, no matter what their issue is. But our society is saying it's okay. It can't be our guide. Our guide, our instructions have to come from God's word. You'll be pressured to say, uh, to, to change your, your position. Many have changed their position. Many Christians have changed their position on this. But we're not going to water down God's word. And we're going to let God's word do what it does, right? It's sharp. Remember, it's sharp. It's powerful. It's alive. It cuts. It's like a two-edged sword. But it's like a scalpel in a surgeon's hand. It only cuts away that bad so that the good can be even healthier. God's word is the standard for right living, and God's word requires righteousness. Hebrews 12, 14, strive, somebody say strive, strive for peace, strive for peace with everyone, strive for holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. I love this because it gives me great hope. This, just this word right here. You're pursuing it, right? Have you arrived? Probably not. I know I haven't. But are you at least pursuing it? Or have you just given in and just decided I can't do it? And so you continue to live a way that is inappropriate. 
God help us. Strive. Be pursuing this. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. In, in other words, he's begging them. He's pleading them. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, underline that, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God's will, here it is. Are you ready for this? God's will is that you make right choices. God's will is that we live right. Every right choice, write this down, every right choice shows an effort to obey God's word. Every time you make a right choice, it, it shows God, I, I believe your word and I want to obey your word. You do that enough times, you better watch out. You'll, you'll find yourself consistently then making right choices. And then people are going to wonder, what's wrong with you? Because it's going to be in contrast to what they're doing. You know what you're doing? You're learning to live in righteousness. That's all, that's all righteousness is, is just one right choice after another. And we learn to live there. We don't feed our minds with garbage and feed our spirit with worldly things. We make right choices. You want your spirit man to grow? Make right choices. You have the opportunity and the ability every day. Nobody forces you into the theater to watch an R-rated movie. I know I shouldn't go there, but I'm going to go there. Don't go watch Shades of Grey or whatever it's called. Fifty Shades of Grey. It's a lot more than 50, let me tell you. Garbage and Christians even are filling their minds and their spirits with this stuff. You wonder why we're spiritually sick, Karen. Every right choice says to God, I, I want to do what's right. I'm on, I want to try to obey your word. And also, every right choice shows growth. Every right choice reveals growth. As a Christian, how many would want to, to grow in, in your faith today? Anybody desiring to be better, to do right, be stronger? Make a right choice. It shows that you are growing. You used to live like that. But because you're in the Word and you're in prayer and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't live like that anymore. You're making right choices. It's called growing in God. You're becoming what God wants you to be. Number three, let me close. Right living means surrendering. Right living requires surrendering your will. And your will is strong. My will is strong. I am stubborn. I like my way, right? So do you. We're born selfish. We will fight selfishness all of our lives. Our will. I want to.
want it my way. I want my desires to be satisfied. But surrendering. So here's the irony today. God has called us to live in holiness, in righteousness. He's called us to live right. But can we do it? Can we do it? But let me tell you something. Your righteousness stinks. (laughs) I smell something in here. Is that you? Did you do that? That was you, wasn't it? Your righteousness stinks. Look at your neighbor and tell him your righteousness stinks. Watch this. God's called us to live righteous. And then the Bible tells us that nobody is right. (laughs) Romans 3.10. No one is righteous. Not one. What? Isaiah said it like this. Isaiah 64, bring that up for me. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment or like filthy rags. Tell your neighbor again, your righteousness stinks. Mm. All I'm saying is, if you're dipping the bucket down into yourself, to try to do right. It's like a cesspool, really. There's nothing good in us. We're born into sin and we're born as sinners. We can't keep dipping into self. Our righteousness then will just be like a filthy rag. Clean the toilet. And then you're going to go try to clean yourself after that with the same rag you just cleaned that toilet. Hey, that's really what it's talking about. Nobody would do that. Our righteousness is in Christ. It's found in Christ. Romans 3.22 speaks of The righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all who would believe this, I decided to believe that. I put my faith in Christ, and I had that grace come that Butler talked about earlier. That grace that is sufficient for her 51-year-old dad, her 77-year-old granddad, and her 17-year-old self. Your righteousness is found in Christ. Philippians 3.9 says, I don't have a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God. But it depends on faith. And I love this. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For my sake. Somebody say my sake. For my sake. God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness 
God. So could I just encourage you as I close this? Stay in Christ. If our righteousness is not in ourselves and what we try to do in ourselves really stinks, it will never, it will never do. And if our righteousness then is found in Christ, we need to come to Christ and we need to stay in Christ. Stay in Christ and he'll help you live right. It's really simple today, actually. How many want to do right? You want to live right? Do you need help like me? Chris, I need help, buddy. I'm just being honest with you today. I need help. God helps me. He helps me to live right. I just have to stay in. I want you to bow your heads and just think about this message today. Are you even in Christ, first of all? I think that's the first question we should ask. Have you accepted Christ? He is the way, the truth, the life. He is the path that leads to heaven. By accepting him, we are guaranteed eternal life in heaven. But it goes back to our ability to choose. Have you chosen to accept Christ? If you're here today and you have never accepted Christ and you want to do that today, I want you to lift your hand so I could pray for you. Is there anybody here today you would just say, I really, I, I, I want to I do this. I need God. I'm ready. Lift your hand right now. Just as Floyd says earlier, there, there's, there's still time. No matter where you are, there's time for you. But you must make a decision. Make your decision today. Accept Christ. And he will transform your life. And you'll find yourself in Christ. Now how many would say, I want to stay in Christ so that he would help me to live right? If that's you, I want you to stand on your feet. If you want to remain in Christ and continue to let his grace come, let that amazing grace wash over you, helping you today to live right. Butler, I want you to sing this chorus again about his amazing grace, how we need that grace. Come on and just lift your hands and say, God, I want your grace today. I need your grace today. I want to do right. I struggle from time to time, God, but today I recommit myself, God, to live in holiness, to pursue righteousness, God. I'm striving, Lord, to do what is right, and I rest in the grace of God. I put my faith in Christ afresh and anew today, and I find my righteousness in Him, and in fact, I have become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah.
Father, we thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for coming to us when we didn't deserve you at all. We thank you for forgiving us, God, for taking on the sin of the world so we might live in righteousness with you. Jesus, we thank you for living a perfect life. God, so that righteousness could be given to us. Father, it's my prayer that you would create a desire in us. Lord, that your spirit would move inside of us, creating a desire to walk in paths of righteousness. God, to see your way is the more beautiful way, the way worth pursuing, even though other things might seem easier, even though other things might gratify us more quickly. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see the glory that you've promised us at the end of the road. Father, I pray you'd go with us, Lord, that your spirit would continue to guide us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, You are dismissed. God bless. Uh, Don't forget about Pizza with the Pastor uh, right over here in the Friendship Room uh, right now.